Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Today we pause our series for Keith to share his heart on Ukraine and why he has gotten so involved with what is going on there and helping to take care of the families that are displaced by the war. Hi, this is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me today. As you're listening to this, I am literally on my way back to the Ukraine on this Monday. We will be meeting with some key leaders there, uh, looking at our operations, trying to hear the Lord on our next step. So thank you for your prayer support. Please pray for our safety. We will be deep inside the Ukraine in some uh, places that I guess it's not recommended we go, but it's critical that we be there. Uh, I was thinking about this whole Ukraine thing, and I think there's some real spiritual lessons here I'd like to share with you. Uh, you know, somebody asked me recently, well, why did you get so involved here? Well, obviously, there's a there's a great need. I mean, if you look at the problem just with your five senses, you see there's a great need. But there are great needs and, and other situations that rise. This is unique. Uh, in that we have a, a country that is being terrorized uh, and people have nowhere to go and are desperate for help. But my story goes back to 1979. That's how I got involved in the Ukraine. I was standing looking at a world map of T.L. Osborne, a famous evangelist, who had traveled much of the world and done great evangelistic and church planting crusades and there was a line on that map you know that was like obviously where he hadn't gone beyond that line and uh as i looked at it i realized well oh my goodness that's that's the iron curtain you know and uh, i at that point in my life i was a fairly new believer i was just in the lord about four years and uh i can't say that i was very uh, tuned into the world situation, I can assure you I hadn't thought about the Iron Curtain or the people behind it. But when I looked at that line, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I'm going to send you there someday. Now, fast forward, uh, and it's 1983, and I meet a gentleman by divine appointment that comes into our church that has some contacts Long story short, a couple years later, 85, we end up in the in the Soviet Union, and I actually go into uh, the Ukraine. We go into the Kiev area of Ukraine, and of course, this is one. This is under Soviet oppression, and uh, I, I can tell you that you know as we travel through different parts of Russia. Uh, what we generally call Russia, technically the Soviet Union. It was obvious to me that the oppression in the Ukraine was greater. There were there were tighter constraints on people. There was there was a heavier uh, the way the authorities dealt with you. And of course, when you traveled in those days, uh, it was very hard to get into the Soviet Union. You had to have the special documents. You had to have uh, just not a passport, but you had to have a visa approved with all your stops. When you got off a plane or got off a train, there was somebody there to meet you. 
And so as a result of that, we had to sneak away. And there's lots of stories about it. But we had to sneak away to meet people. You know, one of our group members would wander off here and and kind of disappear. And, uh, you know, we had to be very careful because the people we were visiting could end up with great penalties. They could lose their jobs. They could even go to jail. You know, I remember the bus ride in in the Ukraine with a little van like we have, you know. And uh, we got picked up, you know, after some cat and mouse and meat on this corner and do this. And finally, we were picked up, make sure we weren't followed. And there were, uh, as I remembered, about four or five young ladies on that bus. There were about 10 or 12 of us all together. And all these girls who were not yet 20 years old had all spent time in jail for teaching Sunday school classes. That's, that's, that's a pretty radical shift from American liberty and American freedom. And it just made you very keenly aware of what was going on around you. Now, one of the greatest things that happened on that trip and actually happened in my life was through a series of events, we got to meet a man by the name of Ivan Lobchenko. Ivan was actually Polish, but had grown up, was raised in the Ukraine. And uh, he had spent 25 years of his life in jail for preaching the gospel. Three separate jail sentences. And uh, he had never met an American before. And so we had this young lady named Rima who was from Moscow, who was meeting us there in Kiev to be our translator. And we met out in this area. It's actually the Chernobyl region. We were about 50 miles from the Chernobyl power plant. Uh, We met in that area out in this little cottage uh, uh, in the middle of a field. And they covered the windows with... They had like little rugs on the floor, like throw rugs, we would call them. And they hung them up over the windows uh, so that the light would not shine, so the people would not know we were there. Uh, it, it was like being part of the movie script is the only way I can I tell you about it. And I met this man that I'd heard about. And, uh, you know, he was a beaten man. I mean, his he bore the marks in his body of the beatings he had taken in the Soviet prison camps. And he told us the story of being in Siberia at a railroad camp where, you know, they would build the railroad and service the railroad. There was not, there was no civilization around there. Just the railroad went through that part of Siberia and they would take people up there and basically work them to death. Once you went there, uh, you know, people didn't know if they'd ever hear from you again. And he talked about how their crew was out in this horrendous storm. And he finally fell over. He was not well. And he finally fell over sick. And they just left him lay there in, in, in the Siberian tundra with, a, with a, a storm bearing down on him. And what happened was he woke up three days later. The storm had completely covered him with several feet of snow and insulated him. And he woke up several days later and he managed to follow the tracks and get back to the camp. And when he walked into the camp, it was like the people were seeing a ghost. Like, how could this guy survive like this? And he was a committed Christian. Obviously, he was a pastor. He was in jail for preaching the gospel. He had witnessed to many people there. And as a result of them being like raised from the dead, uh, 
you know, he had quite an audience. And he, he talked about all the men that he had led to the Lord that were now in the ministry uh, as a result of that whole experience. Just on a side note, on my next trip into the Ukraine, I actually met, he pulled those guys together. They were like his spiritual sons. And he would meet with them every so often. Uh, And I actually got to be in that meeting and meet a bunch of those guys that saw him walk into that camp and were now pastoring underground churches in different parts of the Soviet Union. So that left quite a mark on me. But while we're sitting in this hut, in, in the Chernobyl region, he asked me this question, not in arrogance, but with a very honest, inquisitive heart. He asked me if our church was more American or Christian. And when he asked me that question, it was like there was a catharsis that happened in my heart. And I think since that time, God has been able to give me some discernment as to what is culture and what is kingdom. Not all culture is bad, but all culture must submit to the to the kingdom of God, the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, I had a great uh, heart connection with the Ukraine later in that trip. Uh, actually, on the on the next trip, uh, I was arrested in Kiev. Uh, we were being followed. We knew we were being followed. I was with one other guy, and we were trying to shake these people from following us. And finally, we were deep in the Kiev subway, which is a really an, an incredible, you know, you see these people in the news about being down in the subway in the bomb shelters, and uh, there there's like layers and layers of these trains that run underground. It's It's incredibly impressive. And we were down in there trying to shake these people that were following us. And uh, I said to Phil, the guy with me, I said, I got an idea. We get out. I said, I'll make a noise when we get out on the platform. And why don't you take a picture of these people thinking that maybe that would intimidate them and they would run away, you know. But what happened was we got tackled from behind because not only was this, there was a a man and a woman that, that was following us that we identified. There were other people that were following us too that we did not know were following us. And of course, they literally dragged us by, you know, it was, it was October, so we had coats on, I, you know, I just leather, you know, coat on, and they grabbed me by the collar and just dragged me through the subway to this little cement room where we were searched and interrogated, and, and all these things went on. Uh, but obviously, you know, you go through things like that, there's a certain piece of you that gets left and get connected. So... That's my background with the Ukraine. But I want to take you to Matthew 9, because there it says that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the multitude. And I think God's compassion is released in us when we see things, not just with our natural eyes, but with our spiritual eyes. And so when I saw all these things happening in the Ukraine, I saw it from a kingdom culture. I saw it from a kingdom perspective, not just the fact of the physical and the humanitarian needs and the the heartache you would feel for anybody in any country. And so there was that divine connection. And what I believe is that God stores up, you know, things in us that he can tap later for uh, that divine compassion to come out of us. 
So that's what I'm moving in. That's why I'm leading the charge in this area to really make sure the Ukrainian believers stay connected. And I believe that our connection with them is going to affect church planting uh, in in Ukraine, in Romania, in Hungary, and other parts of Europe. You know, Europe, uh, I mean, all of Europe needs uh, a real move of God. And I'm believing that somehow, someway, connecting with many of these believers is going to produce that in the days to come. Uh, please uh, pray for us in faith today as we're traveling and for our safety, for divine appointments like we had on our first trip and that God will give me wisdom and strategy. Thank you for standing with me. And please feel free to share this podcast with somebody that might encourage them. Uh, if you need information about what we're doing, just go to NRP Ukraine. Thank you so much. This is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. God's compassion is released in us when we see things, not just with our natural eyes, but with our spiritual eyes. Thank you for standing with us as we stand with those in Ukraine. Thank you for partnering with us as we make history his story. You can read all of our updates on the Ukraine situation or donate to help these families by visiting nrpukraine.com. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.